How's it going, Orange County? And welcome to the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the only podcast. I don't know what it is. That's Ray's job. Obviously. Dedicated to Orange County, its fans, and supporters. Semantics. No, no there's your fans and supporters. So, semantics. Fine. This is another Alan Underwood podcast now. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> way down there in the corner, we're brought to you by Roughneck Scarves. At least I know that part. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, Some juicy Goodness stuff. me. We've got lots of friends, a little bit of the past, and a really big game coming up tomorrow. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. And it's in! Darwin Jones with the response for Orange County. And it is a massive one. Austin Bold dominant in the last 10 Forrester in the middle now. Gets around a few defenders. Forrester with the outside of the foot. What a strike by Mary Forrester. It's the opening goal for Orange County. Has it now. That post. Opportunity and a goal! A beautiful goal by Orange County. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore SoccerCast or on Facebook at Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Ray's trying to sass me there for not telling people where to find us, but you just heard it. You just heard it. You know where to find us if you've somehow randomly stumbled upon this. All right. Well, there's a lot of people here. There's a lot of faces, as Superfan Andy has already said. So we'll start with the main man himself, El Jefe, DJ Ray Samora. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Uh, Hopefully you can hear me okay. I'm using my mobile internet to connect on this. I'm on a vacation at a vintage RV park in Ventura. It's called Waypoint. It's a pretty cool place. It's awesome during these times where you need to stay separated because each individual vacationer is in a an RV, a vintage RV, and we're having fun. And I got to do the Super Yen Vertonghen ripoff of the shirt in honor of the now former Tottenham Hotspur man. Thanks for hosting this, Dylan. Yeah, uh, sure thing. Um, hello to your child. Uh, we just hope you're socially distancing or whatever. We'll hop on over to the other main man of this podcast, Mr. Alan Underwood down in San Diego. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. Uh, yeah, um, I'm in mid podcast form because we just got done doing the <laughs> fair weather one. So I am all yeah. sassed up and ready to go. I am half almost more than halfway through a crowler. So Sorry, Phoenix fans. I'm gonna get a little bit sassy tonight. Can I say? Can I say really quick, Dylan? Really quick. Can I say, Alan? You're way behind on the crowlers. I'm already too deep on the crowlers. You're on vacation, man. I gotta work. Yeah, tough, tough luck. I refuse to dignify that with the response. We'll talk to one last Orange County man and see how he's doing before we journey up north. Cameron Millage from a Mouthful of History podcast. How are you doing? Doing all right. I mean, I feel like as this goes on, you feel a little bit of the stir craziness of everything. You know, you try to keep yourself occupied as much as possible, stay productive, but then it's just like everything. everything's just shut down. 
everything's on pause. So I feel like the wheels are stuck in neutral for a little bit, but productive nonetheless. Glad to hear it, I guess. I don't know. I think we're probably all feeling the same thing. Let's take a quick journey north and we'll chat to our good friend, John, from the Sacktown podcast. Well, we've got two of you, but we'll talk to John first. All's good. You're right there. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing good. I uh, got out to training today for the Republic to kind of hear what coach has to say about the game for tomorrow. So we'll share some of that. But, you know, quarantine life is uh, it's not bad. But when you can't go outside because your yard is destroyed for a swimming pool, it's uh, it gets a little hectic, especially when the kids want to camp out and do fun things. So they're downstairs uh, right now camping in the uh, living room in a uh, tent. So hopefully they enjoy that imagination they could be anywhere in the world and last but certainly not least luis also from sacktown fc podcast luis how are things going uh things are going good uh just dealing with the three-digit weather down here in modesto and california central valley so you know it's it's that good old summertime and so i mean uh, to deal with that um other than that you know super excited to to see our, our teams play tomorrow, I think it's it's going to be a good game. Uh, sadly, we're not coming uh, from a good game. Uh, we're pretty disappointed in our last game, but still, nonetheless, I think uh, we've had pretty good games and looking forward to tomorrow. Yeah, not the, not the best result. We'll get there in a minute, but first we have to recap our 1-0 victory over Phoenix Rising FC on Saturday night. Feels like a lifetime ago already. Um, I was shaking this entire match, but lots to talk about. Um, since I'm pretty sure he didn't watch it, let's talk to Ray first. Ray, give us your thoughts on this match. Oh, dude, I watched it. I watched it with Andy. We were do we were uh, in a Facebook Facebook room watching this match talking about it and it was pretty amazing and uh, let me just say this right off the top is we gave props during that stream to Mr. Cameron because he called it if you can hold Phoenix from scoring for the first like 20 to 25 minutes it's going to frustrate them and lo and behold we saw uh, uh what's what's the dude's a Santi Moore uh shove coach Braden Cloutier and get a second yellow which forced a red card on it which made things awesome um and we were just loving that match uh, on that stream unfortunately no one else joined us in that room but it was pretty damn cool and uh, orange county just dominated i i, I want to say this I, I know phoenix fans are salty about the results and they are finding any reason to complain on why phoenix lost that match but in the end orange county dominated that match they they were in control they played their game plan and they 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 made it work and it could have been a lot more than a one nil victory. You know, Aiden Quinn, because of poor field conditions, missed a penalty. And there was a couple of other opportunities that Orange County should have scored a, a goal to add more to that. So awesome match from Orange County. Uh, they proved that I think Kevin Alston was on last week saying they, they feel like they are equal to Phoenix, that they should be able to beat Phoenix. Uh, and it, it proved uh, in these two matches against them. We, we drew the first match. We won the second match. It's true. We did. And it was a it was a really good performance. Uh, unfortunately, most of that really got lost between a Santi Moara red card. Um, and no, I feel like that was the big one. Now, Alan spent all weekend 
going back and forth with people on Twitter, mostly all from Phoenix, and <laughs> maybe a few from other places as well. Um, I feel bad for you, Alan. Nope. I guess I don't feel so, bad for him. I have two things. Number one, at 36 minute, a Phoenix coach gets a ball and places it on the cone. So if we're really upset about coaches handling the ball as unsafe, then maybe you should talk to your own coaches. Number two, 71, 71st minute, coach again handles a ball on the sideline for Phoenix. So again, if we're really worried about player safety, talk to your own damn coaches. Number three, why is Santi Moore even going to get a ball that's an Orange County free kick? Why is he going to the sideline? So if he's handling a ball that's not even their ball, like you can't be mad when an Orange County coach picks up a ball and throws it into his own player when it's a Orange County free kick. And so Santi Moore shouldn't be getting the ball. If you're really worried about player safety, then your coaches need to stop touching the ball on the sideline. Number four, I came out and said, yes, what it looked like Cloutier throwing it away from Santi Moore is kind of a, a dick move. But then watching it back, it's an Orange County free kick, which means Orange County is in possession of the ball, which means Cloutier, in a normal position, those, uh, those advertising boards are not there because they switched the direction of the camera for this match. I don't know if there's an ongoing thing, but regardless, or irregardless, if you're a new English person, whatever, regardless, Cloutier, in a normal position, would have a ball in front of him that he would just pick up and roll out to his players for his free kick. Brayden Cloutier did just that. Santi Moore acted like an asshole. He's the one in the wrong. Now, Cloutier could have said something unprofessional afterwards, but you can't come at Cloutier without coming at your own player first. You can't blame Cloutier for your player acting a fool and pushing a coach. Now, credit to... Uh, Santi Moore for coming out and taking responsibilities for his actions. And I think Phoenix, there are some Phoenix fans who are like, yeah, I get it. He, it was his bad, but they were coming at Cloutier. Like he was trying to be some like shit housing, sorry, boop housing, but it wasn't. If you look at the replay again, he picks up the, he sees Santi Moore coming. Sure. Whatever. Maybe he picks up the ball and he rolls it to his own player. It's not like he threw it off to the side. He rolled it to his own player. Sorry, Dylan, you're going to have to edit. But he rolls it to his own player. Santi Moore then takes the action of placing his hands on another human and pushing him. Whether or not you think Cloutier made the most of it, it doesn't matter. Your own players make the most of it. Soccer players make the most of it. Bringing attention to what happened on that pitch, or actually off the pitch. Santi Mora needs to know better. He's on a yellow card. You do not place your hands on a coach, regardless of what happens. If you think the coach did something wrong, you say, hey, ref, WT, and then they can do what they're going to do. Cloutier should have gotten a yellow card if he said something he shouldn't have said, but you can't blame Cloutier for your own player shoving a coach. That is irresponsible, unprofessional. If you claim that Cloutier is unprofessional, can't have it both ways. It was a deserved second yellow. It was a deserved red card. And you can't come at Cloutier to pardon your own player's actions. It's the things my middle school kids say. Well, he was doing this. It doesn't matter. It doesn't absolve Santi Mora for making that mistake on already on a yellow. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm going to give this like one more minute because there's 
really so much more to talk about from this match. Um, things that are yellow card offenses per the law of the game. Unsporting behavior, so that's like simulation, foul play. Descent, um, repeated fouling, looks like Ray's gone, whatever. Uh, delaying the restart of play, not respecting 10 yards, uh, entering or re-entering the field without the ref's permission. We saw that one last year. And leaving the field without ref's permission. Um, I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say that Cloutier was just throwing the ball away, even though he threw it to Nathan Smith, just for the sake of saying he deserves the yellow for that, but really doesn't. Uh, things that are red cards, uh, serious foul play, violent conduct, spitting, uh, denial of an obvious goal-scoring opportunity, uh, offensive, insulting, or abusive language and or gestures, and receiving a second caution in the same match. So... Uh, I saw a lot of people saying that Cloutier deserves a suspension for this. No. We see, like even if you want to say that Cloutier was time-wasting, we see this in every match. A player just tosses the ball away. We saw it like five or six times in this game. It's a That's a thing that happens in this sport. I saw someone else on Twitter say that, quote, I feel like the bar for coaches needs to be higher, end quote. And this person is a Phoenix fan, and I think that's hilarious because there's not like a moral, there's no character test for being a manager, it's just like, can you run a team? Do you have a coaching badge? Can you win? Yes. Can you win? That's really the big one. Um, and it's funny because Rick Schantz, or Rick Schantz, I'm not exactly sure which one it is, uh, technically has the, uh, he only has a C badge. So I think he's the least qualified coach in the USL. Obviously, badge-wise, he's obviously doing great and has done well with his team. But just... Dumb stuff all around. Other dumb stuff, field, not super great. Way too dry last week, and this week, way too soft. We saw Darwin Jones take a pretty hard fall early on. And, of course, Hayden Quinn missed a penalty. So I think this one really comes down to Orange County making the most of their opportunities. Phoenix may be being a little bit naive and trying to play the same way that they played the week before. But Cameron... I don't think you were at this match, or maybe you were at the fence. But give me your I was, thoughts. I was hiking Mount Baldy. Well, look at this. Uh, look at this cool guy. Well, did you watch <laughs> it, or should I just? I watched a, I, mean, I watched a little bit of it. It's like most of the highlights and whatnot. And I mean, it's nice to feel validated that a prediction gets right. <laughs> Phoenix get frustrated. I mean, I think I said this last week that OC need an early goal. And Phoenix needs to keep a zero. Like, well, I mean, I don't know. Uh, Phoenix, I said Phoenix, they can't score early. But if you can keep a zero on the board, they start frustrated. Um, it, Orange County didn't, you know, they didn't lose a step. And while this game was one nothing, it could have easily been 1-1 and 2-1. Because that clear chance for the second yellow from Moir off the post that uh, Andy posted a picture of like the Renaissance painting of all the Phoenix players getting really frustrated, like shocked after that. So I think that this was a huge win for Orange County. They didn't, they didn't lose a step. And for a team that's only trained for like three weeks and only played two games, they looked way better than a team that, trained over a few months and had like a warm-up match before the season started. And 
I think this is a huge momentum swinger for them. Absolutely. Our good super friend, super fan friend Andy asked us how many shots Phoenix had on target in this match. One. Orange County only had two, but uh, <laughs> you know maybe not the most. But two is better than exciting one. Exciting <laughs> offensive game. Yes, and it's even better when one of those finds the back of the net. Now, I think the biggest takeaway from this one, besides Orange County getting three points, is there was a lot of complaining on social media all around the all around the Western Conference. And yet, if you watch the interviews with the Phoenix players at the end of this match, they all pretty much said the same thing. It took a red card and a missed sitter for us to care at all. And they turned it on in the second half, 60 minutes on that final 30 minutes. They were pushing. They finally looked good after the triple substitution. That's how these things go sometimes. Um, any final words on this match? Alan, go ahead. Uh, Daniel Finlinson is no joke. Um for has, as young he is, he really stood up to the pressure. Uh, Nathan Smith also did very, very well. Uh, Rob Kiernan was like amazing, like just throwing his body around to clear out uh, corner kicks. Like did not USL care. He was jumping the, the highest. What's that? USL team of the week as well, Kiernan. Yeah. Aiden Quinn was like classic Aiden Quinn. His balls over the top. He fed... Sean Acoli, he fed like he was vintage Aiden Quinn. It was exciting. Uh, Kevin Coleman, oh my gosh, two weeks in a row is like a, is a star in the making. Like Kevin Coleman is no joke. Like beating guys off the dribble. Uh, Brian Olosky was great. Chandler Hoffman, I think he's going to come into himself. There was some like flashes of brilliance. I would like to see Sean Acoli not take so many heavy touches. I think that really hurt him in a lot of instances, but Aiden Quinn played out of his mind. Uh, Chris Ostomo was good, but that back line, Daniel Finlinson held his own. And like, I was watching it back and just like plus Mark every time he did something great, like tackling stand up, defending, like he is no joke. Uh, Orange County has a lot of young talent. Um, and they're going to be, they're, they're going to be hard to beat. Ray, you said you had some thoughts. Yeah, I just have a, qu a quick last thought, and then I'm going to go enjoy the rest of my vacation. Uh, Orange County has a freaking good defense. One goal allowed in three matches so far this season. I know it's a very small sample size, but when two of those matches are against this so-called amazing offensive juggernaut in Phoenix, and, and Orange County is able to basically shut them down, uh, you know, forget a corner kick that led to a goal, I believe, from Solomon Asante in the first match, which was Orange County's first match back after uh, the long uh, delay there. Orange County has a solid defense, and I think the USL should beware. I think the USL power rankings is, has taken notice of that and put Orange County pretty high up there, which is pretty amazing because I know we've sort of uh, made fun of the USL power rankings in the past. But I think uh, – USL teams need to be aware of Orange County's defense and, and Sacramento will have to be wary of Orange County's defense because I think when you have players like um, uh, Rob Kiernan and Nathan Smith, Nathan Smith, you look at him, watch him these two matches against Solomon Asante. He shut down probably one of the top offensive players 
in the USL with literally no problem there. I, I, you can look at numerous highlight reels from those two matches and see him uh, just sort of play with Solomon Asante, which is pretty awesome. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you got Rob Kiernan, who's been amazing out there. He's been solid in these two return matches against Phoenix. Uh, so it, it, it's it, it's awesome that this defense for Orange County, it's going to be a big part of why Orange County is going to be successful this season. And we've gotten through our two toughest matches of the season, really, when you look at it against Phoenix. That was the that's the scariest part. I know we have a future match against Phoenix, but at this point now, we don't have to worry about Phoenix and be scared of Phoenix heading to that match. It's going to be pretty amazing. And I think this defense is going to carry this team pretty far into the season and into the playoffs and have uh, uh, make Orange County or let Orange County have a successful season this year and fight for the championship. So go Orange County, go defense. And, and I'll leave it with that. I'm going to let you guys go because I'm going to enjoy my vacation here. I just want to jump on because I really want to just talk about how strong our defense was with, uh, with Orange County this season against Phoenix. Thanks, Ray. Uh, you know where to find him. It says down there. That's his thing. He's going to go get drunk without us. Ooh, he's gone. All right. Well, he covered it pretty well. Let's head north to Sacramento. Um, John, Luis, which one of you wants to take this? You guys have had a mixed bag of results since the restart. So run us through what's gone well and what's gone wrong. Well, it started off with the goalkeeping. I mean, we were we were concerned about the goalkeeping uh, to start the year um, with some howlers that were happening near post, getting beat. And then in the Tacoma game, it came down to defense and lack of uh, passing or, or where to pass the ball. Midfield turnover uh, led to a tie. And then after that game, Coach talked about – Coach Briggs talked about the physicality, right, needing to be there, needing to be present – playing um, with your heart and pushing the envelope a little bit, making teams kind of collapse. And you kind of saw that with Herzog in the Reno game, a couple shoves, he, he falls apart. And so uh, they walked away with a one nil draw move forward. You're thinking, okay, great. Things are starting to click. We're still not scoring like we should over the last two games. We've had 40 plus shots. 12 of those shots have gone on target. So you can kind of look, think about what's happening uh, as it relates to, to what's going on with the team not being able to finish because that's going to be the hardest part. Uh, and even in training today, the emphasis was on just getting repetition of finish, just going through and getting, getting the opportunity to uh, make a difference somehow, some way, because if you're going to go up against Orange County, who's got a solid uh, midfield, you've got, you know, I'm going to tout and, and praise Kevin Coleman because he's, an up-and-coming player, 22 years old, doing awesome things. Seth Kasipley, uh had nothing but good things to say about him. So the idea is going to be, um, you know, controlling the game. I'm not too concerned about the defense. I think they'll have that shorn up. But if you can't score, you can't win, and you'll just take draws, as I heard earlier on the Fairweather podcast. So we'll see. A wonderful knock on over to Alan's podcast, uh, another member of the BGN just a friendly reminder that BGN is brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Um, I don't think it's the 31st of the month. Maybe there's a full moon. I don't know what's going on, but we'll hop on over to Luis. Luis, what are your thoughts? What's going on up in Sacramento? Yeah, I mean, the coach is still trying to figure out 
what formation to use, uh, what what his uh, actual starting eleven will be. But main issue that we've noticed with the team uh, in these the past three matches is really the lack of being able to convert the opportunities that that we get because we we have a lot of opportunities and you know match through match we've had so many chances that they don't take advantage of and then we either get tight on or you know we end up losing like was the case against uh, Los Dos on Saturday too so it'll be really important for the team to make sure that they really uh, score the opportunities that they get in uh, tomorrow's match um, and uh, we talked about it on our podcast the other day too but It'll be a critical three points for us. Um, I mean, if we lose this match, we're going to start falling behind in the group. Uh, we have other teams in the group that have a couple of uh, games in hand. And so losing here could really mean us being down by like nine points uh, to first place. Uh, so really critical um, to get that win tomorrow. Um, and then we have another difficult matchup on Saturday against San Diego as well. So not the best probably time to play against Orange County being that, you know, you guys have had a really good match against the Phoenix even before then too, um, uh, getting that tie against them. And so it, it'll be interesting, but whoever manages to, to win this match is, is really going to be uh, a, a lot of uh, help, I think, for, for them, especially in their group, uh, whether it, it be uh, Sacramento or Orange County. So I think this match could, could prove to be a critical, especially when it comes to those... Uh, final games and trying to figure out who gets to be in first and second place too. So um, we're, we're excited though anyway, uh, even though, you know, we, we haven't had a good match uh, previously too. And, and, you know, just to, to put out a, a stat out there, um, Cameron Nawasa, who is our leading goal scorer, he's actually scored five goals against uh, Orange County. Um, last time you guys came over, he, he did score uh, two goals. Uh, and so let's hope that he has his, a uh, his boots on right and that he's able to you know score some more goals because this season uh he did score a last minute penalty against reno but other than that i mean we haven't really seen him that much uh we've been a bit disappointed in his performance lately so um let's see if he if he you know get gets a it's a good shot on goal tomorrow and uh, gets it in alan uh yeah so I mean, regardless of what happens over the next week with uh, Orange County and San Diego, um, the reality is Portland Timbers 2 right now is pretty terrible. Tacoma's fine, but you're still a point ahead of them, even on games played. Reno's obviously two games behind. Um, Los Dos really put a lot of pressure on Sacramento, and Sacramento really gave up possession a lot um, and really didn't get a lot going uh, for a good chunk of the match. Um, do you think that uh, Sacramento is wanting to hold on to possession more against against Orange County? Um, is that the hope, or is this like a concern going forward that if teams put Sacramento under pressure, they're not going to really be able to work out of that pressure well? That's interesting because one of the things that they they have been focused on lately is giving pressure back when you turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. So. If you think about what's happening with the team, I'm not overly concerned about them giving up in the midfield because they're trying to press forward. Yes, I'd like to see more possession. I think you saw that in the first game back against Tacoma. You had uh, Wheeler and uh, Lopez in the midfield, and then you shifted to 
kind of a different formation in general with uh, Roro, Villanueva, uh, Jaime, um, Villarreal. You had um, uh, Villian and Werner. So you're playing two two guys wide. You also have your wing backs. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting because I don't think that's that they're giving the ball, turning the ball over like you like you think. I think it's just there. There's miscues and they're not firing. They're not making the correct passes and the decisions, and they're kind of forcing the issue up front, trying to score goals. Do you think that's like maybe a little bit overconfidence playing against a team like you like against a low dose where it's like, hey, we're gonna the the stigma of low doses are just a two team. They're a bunch of kids. They did terribly against Phoenix. You think it was maybe a mentality going to that match that was a concern, um, or is it like, hey, we played a? I mean. They played a pretty decent match against Los Dos, but there was a lot of times where um, Los Angeles was able to put them under pressure to um, not really fire them. I mean, they got 20 shots off still, but mm-hmm. there were, especially in the first half, it seemed like Sacramento was put under pressure a lot. Do you think they are are willing are going to be able to do um, what they've been able to do against a Reno against Orange County? I don't even think they know what they're will, what they're able to do yet. To be honest, I think there's a lot sure. that's still missing. It's still a young season. They're really trying to focus on just finishing, right? Finishing the in the 18, finishing the six, get those touches in. Because uh, even during training, you can see the emphasis. Coach knows what he has. Everybody on that roster is there for a reason. They have great depth, and it's just a matter of putting it all together. It's still early. Uh, it's still something that they're working on as a as a cohesive unit. Even today, you during training, there was guys bickering at one another, and that's kind of good to hear. Is that there's still a little fight, and they're still trying to figure out what they what they are trying to accomplish together. And you know, I I, I can only see good things happening against uh, OC as a growth for them, even win or lose. Uh, I would say, uh, Alan, too. Uh, I mean. I, I don't think we, we saw it so much against uh, Los Dos that they maybe had overconfidence too, but definitely the, the first game uh, coming back from uh, the long, you know, uh, rest period um, against Tacoma, uh, they, we start losing 1-0. Literally, it was like the first minute. Uh, we scored three goals by the end of the first half, and so up, you know, 3-1, and then second half comes by, and, and I feel like they came out with uh, really high confidence that, the game was sealed already that they had everything controlled. And then we were tied uh, close to the end of the match too. So I feel like there was really a lot of confidence in that game. Uh, we saw it. Uh, if we go back to that first game of the season against uh, Tulsa back in March, we were winning one nil the whole game. Uh, they seemed to be really confident. Uh, we were superior in that game, had much more possession. And I think everyone uh, underestimated Tulsa. I-, I think I include myself too. We, we talked about that game uh, back then and same thing happened we got tied towards the end of the game too so i i think there might be an element of overconfidence especially when we are uh up in the scoreline especially if it happens uh early on in the game because with reno we ended up scoring a penalty kick towards the end of the game it was pretty much the last play of the game and so there is that key aspect that not only are we not scoring all the opportunities that we get, which like, as you were saying, you know, we do get much more opportunities than our rivals and we've shown it in these past couple matches, but the team doesn't really know how to stick to a lead and actually maintain that lead. And that can be really bad. 
uh, especially in uh, future games as well too. So we're hoping that things change around, that you know uh, players learn how to keep a, a result and, and not always uh, hope to score at the last minute so they don't have to deal with that a lot. So uh, th that's, I think, one of our, our biggest issues so far. Andy, uh, our wonderful super fan, pointed out this sounds a lot like Orange County in 2019. And that's true. Holding on to a lead was something we could not do until Christian Duke returned. Um, Draw FC. Our, yeah, basically, um, we didn't get an away win until three weeks ago this time last year, uh, until the 4th of July. I think it was our 17th match um, or our 18th match. So. We, we know you're. And paying. another thing to think about was, yeah, another thing to think about that was Sacramento's first away game all season, um, heading down. You know, traveling. You can't make excuses, right? We we're all playing the same game. It's turf. We're not playing in front of fans. Everybody's kind of under the same circumstances. But that travel does take a toll, especially going down towards LA on a Saturday um, or Friday night. You know, traffic's kind of bad, even during quarantine. It's still heavy. They're always doing something on the five. That creates a little bit more, uh, more of a hectic uh, travel schedule. So that could have had some impact on on them being being prepared. But as uh, Coach Briggs says, doesn't matter. Once you cross that line, you're you need to be ready. And, and whatever that takes, you, it's your responsibility. You're a professional. You play the game. So do it your best. You're absolutely right. Um, that's why you take the 99 South. For anyone that's ever curious, you just take the 99. It's way easier. Uh, Cameron, you said you had some comments, so uh, try to keep it G-rated, unlike Alan earlier. Well, I or mean, it just, oh, I mean, it just PG thirteen. Sacramento, yeah, it's very much a mixed bag, from what I've seen. Like a good win against Reno, but then also a disappointing result against G two or formerly Los Dos. And I look at it, yeah. Sacramento's getting a ton of opportunities to score and they aren't capitalizing on it. So it'd be nice to it's good to have a home game for you guys, of course, to get at least you know some confidence back. So if Sacramento were to defeat Orange County, what is one thing that has to be done in game for that to happen? them to score more than one goal i wouldn't even probably yeah i, I, I probably would say i mean we'll win towards the end of the match i mean going back again to that reno game we scored at the end and you know they didn't have a chance to to respond and uh, it's it's seeming like that's that's really what needs to happen uh if not then man i guess probably have a a three goal lead with uh 10 minutes left in the match and I would hope that they would be able to at least get a, get a tie out of that. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the most important thing for the team is going to be to be able to get a win and not, you know, either be tied or either, you know, lose lose the match. But to get a win where we can be confident and say that the team was superior, I think that's what's going to get them to change the mentality that they have going on right now. Um, if we don't, if we get a tie or if, you know, uh, we lose the match or whatnot, then... I think this team is going to keep on doing the same things too. And, and it's going to be, it's going to hurt us a lot too. And so, yeah, I, I mean, a, a three goal lead would be ideal because we gave up the two goal lead against Tacoma. So 
I would hope a three goal lead wouldn't be given up. Yeah, you John, got, I think you had a thought. Yeah, you got to get you. You got to stay focused, right? I mean, that's the, that's the point of the game. And if you're not going to be there for a full ninety, if you lose attention, go back to the Tacoma game, right? They're up three two. It's late in the match. Um, there's a possession error in how they passed out of the back. The ball went straight down to uh, into the middle. Drew Skendrick had three guys around him, had a bad first touch, uh, and Tacoma basically picked it up. Ended up on a counterattack through midfield because the wing backs had pushed up so high. So there's just these little little uh, things that need to be fixed. Uh, we've seen it fixed time and time again. We've seen the defense get mad at each other. We saw this last weekend. The defense made an error after a great save from uh, Grinwis and the the collision that he took. Don't know if that had an impact on that goal going in, but there's definitely some things that were, were positive that came from that match, but a lot of negative that you're like, all right, what are you practicing? What are you training on? And hopefully they can start tying things together going forward. This is really, I mean, with the restart and everything, it's kind of like the first two weeks of March all over again. Late but with July, less games, right? I mean, you're, yeah, we're, we're already four games in. That's four less games we have to make up in, in the standings. I mean, yes, we're ahead. That's great. But Reno, who knows? Maybe even Reno gets uh, the Orlando Pride or even uh, some of the MLS issues, the Nashville issue, right, where they have to pull out because they can't get their guys healthy. So they missed another match. It's the second match they've had to withdraw from that are getting pushed back later and later. But I'm sorry. That kind of gives you an unfair advantage because you can see what the schedule looks like. You can see who you're playing, and you can kind of – at that point, cherry pick, knowing that your last few games are, are easy Ws. We'll see. It's it's going to be an interesting finish if we get there. I mean, lots of positive tests all over the USL. Alan saying that he, with the USL, it takes about 10 games. I think that's pretty fair. As hard as it is to do this, given that there's only a handful of games played, let's get some score predictions <laughs> for this match. I... This is probably the most difficult one um, for all of us to predict, given on just on how the last few matches have gone. So, Alan, we'll go to you first. Who's winning? Oh, Who's the key player? You know, what's going on? Um, I'm going to be consistent as possible. Um, I picked Orange County to win about an hour ago. Uh, I think Orange County is able to pull something out. And again, no disrespect to Sacramento Republic. I think they're better than their record uh, um, shows. Um, I think Sacramento over the course of a season is going to figure some stuff out. and It's going to be a tough out, especially when it comes to the playoffs. Um, but I have Orange County winning this one. I'm going to go with a uh, hashtag Marissa classic. And I'm going to say like a two, one Orange County victory. Um, they put a lot out there for that Phoenix match. Uh, Sacramento just played two. Uh, both teams play on Wednesday. Sacramento plays again on um, Saturday. Uh, so I'm not sure, you know, what the idea is. You put up the strongest team against Orange County, and then maybe you figure stuff out from then. Um, or do you like put out a weaker team against Orange County because you're like, ah, we're probably going to lose this one anyway, and then try to take it to, or to San Diego. I think Orange County takes this one uh, to one. All right. Head on down to you, Luis. Who's going to win? Who's the key player for this match? Um, I, I'm going to go with the easier one. I'm going to say that we actually tie. Um, I, I go with the a two-two um, score lane. Uh, I gave Iwasa another chance since you know he scored five goals against uh, 
Orange County overall in his career. So um, I gave him an opportunity to score a goal. And then I think it'll be one of those matches where uh, you guys go up first, we tie it up, uh, you guys go up again, and then we tie it up uh, towards the end of the game too. So it could be a little bit different than it was uh, in our previous games too. But I think we come out of this with a 2-2 draw. I mean, of course, I hope that Sacramento wins, but I see a, I see a 2-2 draw in this case. It is a fair shout. Of course, Awasa is going for his 50th ever USL goal. That would make him the ninth ever player to do that. So that's a pretty small group. Um, and guys who are really freaking good are on that list. So hopefully it doesn't happen this week. Hopefully it happens uh, next match week, match day. Excuse me. Cameron, who's winning this one and who's your man of the match? Okay, so it, I'm going to be out of left field my prediction here. Uh, uh, I say... I usually I usually tend to keep it close, like one nothing, two one, two zero, two two. Um, I want to say OC wins this four to two. I think that Sacramento is going to raise their game. I think they're going to score some goals, albeit only two. But I just think that the way how potent Orange County is on offense and how well they've done on defense, I think the I think they could get a lapse in concentration because. Four, I said two, two goals for Sacramento. I think Sacramento will score. Um, I think Owasa will get on the score sheet. Um, but I think OC is just too loaded on offense to to not get to not get shut out. So, but I do think Sacramento is going to raise their game. But I think it's going to cost them. I think just they might push forward too much. They will score some goals, but I think OC solid defensively, and Orange County is just—it's better a balanced side, and they got too many weapons, and I think they'll roll through. All right. Well, raising your game is a USL special, John. Who's going to win this match or draw, and who's going to be your man of the match? This this is going to be this is going to be a dogfight. I mean, both teams are going to go back and forth. The the. These two teams, when they play, you're always looking forward to maybe four or five goals. Let's let's be honest about that. The one thing that Sacramento has to his advantage from his roster is its depth. If you look at what they can do, they can put out um, five new attackers at any time that can come on and, and change the game. You're not going to see the same squad that you've seen the last two matches. You might see Carlton Belmar get his first start. Um, you might even see a youngster start up on the flank as well with uh, – Formella playing in that forward position still. But I think all in all, you know, Orange County goes up first. Kevin Coleman scores a goal. Uh, Sacramento comes back with two of their own. And Seth Kasipley, just because he's a friend, um, he's going to score. So I'll make it 2-2. And then the the Republic will find a way in the end. Um, and I'm going to say Carlton Belmar is going to get a hat trick. I think he's due. He's a very uh, impactful player. He's very quick, very much like Kevin uh, – like Coleman is for you guys, but uh, Belmar's just got, there's something that he's had the last few uh, training sessions. There's something that I see after games talking to him. I think he's going to come out and he's going to show why he deserves to start for the Sacramento Republic uh, every game going forward and gets the hat trick. Wow. Wow. I called Cameron for the hot take, but I think John has a hot take there with a Belmar hat trick. Uh, Ray, 
vehemently disagree. He does not approve of that at all. Um, of course, there is a a common link between these two sides, and that's Thomas Ingevoldsen. Um, he was last in Denmark for the birth of his child. Obviously, he wasn't doing the birthing. I don't think he's going to be back. Um, I didn't see him over the weekend. Everything's up in the air. Who knows if he can even get back in right now. Does he want to get back in right now? His, his kid was just born. Spend some time with your newborn. There'll be another season. There's a few months of this one left, barring any sort of postponements. Um, I think this one's a 3-2 victory for Orange County. And that's a that's a that's a callback to the last time these two teams played back in October, which was a little bit heated at the end of that one. I that was spicy. basically remember um, really bad announcing, which is saying something because Alan and I are terrible announcers, and um, Jordan McCrary throwing some punches at Joe Migo, but missing. It was wild. Um, Ray says he's going to bet $20 that Carlton Delmar will not score a hat trick. So I don't know. You guys can sort that out later on, but I'll put a, I'll put a beer on it. I'll put it. I'll put a crowler on it. Wow. John has raised his game. That's how you know this is USL everyone. I love it. I love <laughs> the parody it. Level, a parody level is so high that crowler at 20 bucks. Is feasible, hey, man. It's feasible. It's the same. It's yeah. The same. I mean, true, true, true. But what beer would you get? Um, New Glory Gummy Worm. Oh, a hazy pale ale. Is that a Sacramento uh, Sacramento delicacy? That is delicacy because beer is not enjoyed everywhere. <laughs> that was the first. That was the first. That was the first thing that popped out of my head. Delicacy. No, Ray, All I'm not right. scared. But when I come down, when I Ray's, Ray's saying, "Am I scared?" No, I'm not scared. When I come down to OC to watch from the uh, from whatever fan base you guys have left, I'll just give you a beer. We'll be all right because we we know Sacramento will travel better than you guys have fans. I'm just saying. Wow. All right. I didn't realize that we had invited some New Mexico United fans or some Phoenix fans here. No, no, no. But all good. Uh, all good. All right. <laughs> Well, this is quickly taking a downturn, and we is are going to ask her. Is that before or after Sacramento keeps getting delayed into the MLS? Uh, after, obviously, because we're going to be in we're going to be in USL until twenty thirty. Now, who knows? I mean, just keep pushing it back, right? That, thank you, Nashville. You've messed it up for everybody. <laughs> They're a disaster. It, it is true. Um, Ray has one final question before we get on to bigger and better things. Is there such thing as a Sacramento delicacy? Now, my friends would like me to say it's cow pies. I disagree. I would say it's just, um, I don't know. What are, what beer. is a Sacramento? Yeah, that's, that's a delicacy everywhere, unfortunately. So maybe not. Um, anyway, actually other... halfway decent public transit in downtown. That's decent. We, we have nothing here in Orange County. It's the biggest fault of our... Well, it's one of the big faults of our county besides some other massive glaring issues. But bigger and better things. Um, any other soccer-related news, anyone? Congratulations uh, to the Houston Dash for winning the NWSL Challenge Cup. Fantastic soccer. Super, super, super engaging. Um, 
I didn't want to bring it up with Ray. This is the reason Ray didn't want to stay around the whole time because he got destroyed in the NWSL uh, fantasy shenanigans. That's why he's not here to rub it in. Uh, but congratulations, Houston Dash, and congratulations to NWSL for creating a safe tournament uh, that really respected the players um, and really showcased um, a phenomenal, um, I don't want to say women's soccer, a soccer event uh, that really brought people together in a way I don't think people had anticipated. Uh, I can't wait for LA to get going. I can't wait for Orange County and San Diego and Sacramento to all get women's uh, NWSL sides because I, I hope it's coming. Uh, but congratulations to Houston Dash and the NWSL. And yes. how about the number they got, though, on that, too? So the draw they got from that, the second um, highest watch from the day, uh, 527K for the opener, 653,000 viewers on this final. The only match that did more was the 750 of Manchester United uh, making the Champions League uh, by beating Leicester. Mm. Go away. All right. Well, no one cares, so we're just going to – how do I do it? I think that's how we do it. Um, Cameron, I believe you're going to start talking about Angel City FC. I was not. Um, oh, okay. Well, you can give us some random I, I will, stuff to listen I, I hope, anyway. So, oh, I mean, here's the thing. LAFC defeated the Sounders, and imagine if LAFC win this tournament without Carlos Vela. I think that will blow a hole into anything MLS related, and it shows that LAFC are a good, are just a damn good team. And they'll smoke Orlando and just get business done. Brief, I know. Okay, but love it. Um, Alan's just just gone now. I don't blame him. I I, I feel bad. Let the record state that I feel bad. He's puking in the toilet. Luis and or John, do you have any other random soccer-related news? We would love to hear what is interesting in the Central Valley. Or anywhere. Uh, got Liga Mekis. Uh, I mean, I'm a big fan of Liga Mekis, too. Crystal's my my number one there. Um, but they just came back. Uh, it's the first, first week games. Uh, started uh, last uh, Friday, too. Uh They've had to switch a couple of matches around too. They, we had three matches yesterday on Monday, which we were only supposed to have one. So, COVID cases are popping around the league too. It's it's kind of uh, sad to to see all that because, you know, it's it's really affecting a lot of the teams too. So we'll see how far they'll extend the league, and uh, just hoping that they don't cancel the league like they did uh, at the beginning of the last uh, season too, where we only played ten matches and. My team was first place, and of course, they decided to get rid of the league there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to, to see that too. I mean, we saw it with the M some MLS teams too, uh, getting some players too. But I do want to say, you know, shout out to the NWSL because they had zero cases of COVID too. And it just goes to show you that they did a really good job in uh, organizing the Challenge Cup, uh, whereas other tournaments and even other sports, Maybe they're lacking uh, on stuff, or maybe athletes aren't, you know, taking this as serious as they should too. So, um, shout out to, to them for that organization because other other leagues are not are not doing their thing. It's, it's a fair shout. 
John, any soccer-related news? Yeah, August 21st and uh, 22nd, the Women's Champions League returns. Lyon out of France has an opportunity to win their fifth consecutive uh, Women's Champions League title, which is huge. Uh, if you think about how many uh, teams have been able to do that on the men's side, a women's side being able to have that uh, dominance as a club in that competition is uh, pretty high. They open up, I believe, against Glasgow City, and hopefully, um, you know, I'd love to see them win, but I'd also love somebody else to have an opportunity to uh, carry that uh, carry that torch going forward. But they are the best women's side uh, in women's soccer right now. Wolfsburg's not far behind. Arsenal women, um, you're going to see a lot of teams uh, start to bring in American talent and get going. So I'm excited. It should be a wonderful time. My only soccer-related news is uh, putting up the final scores from our Playing for Pride from the NWSL Challenge Cup. Shout out to the Dash. Congratulations, Alan. 57 points. Ray with 33. The fan, the other two random teams, slash uh, Alan's wife, Sarah, got 32 points. And as per usual, I um, brought up the rear with 27. So... Another terrible year for me and playing for pride, but that'll be another chunk of change donated. And I think we all really got to enjoy watching um, some really high level NWSL play. And I think the biggest thing there was it didn't take anyone from the national team. I think it was almost better without that. Um, and seriously, shout out to the dash and shout out to anyone who bet on them because, uh, they definitely took some money home. I think their odds were like 3,000 to 1 or however that works. I don't know. Betting stuff. Alan, tell me how it works. Uh, Houston Dash was like 7th out of 8th to win, and they decided to play beautiful soccer and win. Yeah, Rachel Daly was amazing. Um, I think Houston just proved that it's not necessarily about the stars on the team, but the team on the pitch. Uh, and they played as a team, and it was really fun to watch them play for each other. Um, and uh, that there were crazy amounts of goalkeeper amazingness um, in the opening round. I think all three of the four went to penalty kicks on nil-nil draws. Um, but amazing play. Um, you can be like, oh, the women's goalkeepers aren't as good. They were phenomenal. Um it's slower. They don't run as fast. Uh, those women are doing amazingly athletic things. Um, so get over yourselves and enjoy some women's soccer. Hey, that uh, the goalkeeper for the Thorns made a save that I would say 80% of men couldn't save. She was flat-footed, came across her body, her upper hand, knocked the ball away. You don't see men being able to do that at times. And, and her athleticism, all the goalkeepers, Sheridan uh, winning go winning Golden Gloves, um, you know, and Campbell having a, having a pretty good final. She wasn't tested very much, but when she was called upon, she made the save she needed to make. I heard De Gea was taking some notes. Needs to. He's got those hole in the hands, man. It's bad. It's bad. Yeah, lovely stuff. Most of the people I see complaining about women's soccer being less uh, um, athletic than men's usually don't have any room to be talking about athleticism. So, you know, funny how those things work. Um, all right. Well, we're all excited. Well, us SoCal people are excited because we've got Angel City FC. Um, and it seems like they're kind of going to unify Los Angeles between LAFC and the Galaxy. I'm thrilled 
to have an NWSL team in LA. That is my soccer related news. I cannot wait. I think probably all of our listeners cannot wait. Uh, it seems like they've got a really great group. So fingers crossed for great things. Now, finally, random thoughts. It is that time as we reach the hour mark. Uh, I think we've all been on the show, so we all know what's going on. And we'll start with Alan. What is your random thought? My random thought is um, read How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. It's a great book. I'm about halfway through. Uh, Read it. Engage. Have conversations. Racism and that kind of stuff is not taboo to talk about. Um, Be willing to talk about it. If we're willing to talk about sexism, if we're willing to talk about um, any other topic, uh, racism and race uh, should be something that we are comfortable talking about and being able to admit our faults, uh, just like Manchester United fans have to admit that they're Manchester United fans. Um, but how to be an anti-racist, Ibram X. Kendi, he's a phenomenal writer. He makes great cases. He lays it all out there, admits his flaws, and it's a great read. Wonderful. Cameron, random thought for the week. So as for the podcast, that I'm working on. We have a few uh, episodes lined up. So we're about to release, you know, second episode of the Nintendo Indochina War. And I was talking to my brother, Alex, and he mentioned about the Red Army faction. And they were a left-wing group that wanted to get ex-Nazis out of the West German government. And they kind of fall on the fall on the same same spectrum, you know, with the national not nationalist terrorism of the seventies and eighties with Aton Spain, you have Red Army faction here. And I uh, it, it was kind of reading about that again, uh, made me want to, you know, do my next episode on that. So, you know, seeing these left wing groups in Germany, um, you know, kind of highlight what was going on between East and West Germany in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And it was an interesting topic, and I was able to do a little bit of research on it. And, you know, <laughs> all right. Um, but, yeah, so Batter-Meinhof Gang, Renry Faction. Um, look for that in future episodes. You just spent two minutes promoing your own podcast. Nice. Um <laughs> I, I forgot who I said was next. I think it was John. John, what's your random thought for this week? Um, if you need a good book to read, uh, two stamps uh, from the beginning, The Definitive uh, History of Racist Ideas in America. Great book. Uh, just finished reading that for my history kids. And also uh, Super Life, which is uh, based as a book based on the Netflix documentary series with Zac Efron um, that just came out recently. And it is uh, it's worth a watch. So if you jump on, to uh, see the wonderful world of Zac Efron on uh, Netflix, you'll find, I believe it's down to earth, um, but that's uh, it's a great little uh, documentary to watch about uh, super life, essentially. Everyone likes to read. I, I know Ray is probably listening, and it is my podcast now because everyone wants to read. Luis, what's your random thought for this week? 
Um, I'm not going to add another uh, reading thing too, because I think I'm too busy uh, recording and then editing podcasts too. Uh, I also do the uh, Pasión Mekis podcast too, a part of our uh, Town network. And uh, it's podcast in Spanish about Liga Mekis. Uh, we do it weekly to talk about the, the games uh, going on each week too. So we will be uh, doing an episode here pretty shortly uh, tomorrow at uh, 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific too. Um, also, uh, just about to start a new podcast with our uh, our cup of tea co-host uh, Liz. Going to be doing a podcast called Academy Warriors. Uh, pretty much going to be helping uh, anyone who is uh, trying to go into college or maybe going through college or uh, maybe already graduating and you know trying to look for for a career. So uh, look out for that in uh, the podcast world because uh, we are going to be launching that here uh, shortly. I will take an interest in that one. Someone please God hire me. <laughs> I'm smiling through the pain. But uh, everyone here is suggesting books. Who am I to disagree? Um, mine is Little Brother by Corey Doctorow. Um, very, very realistic and topical. Or Homeland, uh, also a book by Corey Doctorow. That's D-O-C-T-O-R-O-W. Um, my other random thought, because I never follow the rules because I'm pulling a ray, is support people who do good things in the USL, in NISA, whatever, NWSL, MLS, abroad. Support content creators that don't suck. Stop quote-tweeting people that just come up with bad takes and dunking on them because you're just improving their metrics. I, really, come on, people. Um, be good to one another and support good people like Jason Weintraub at Home Sweet Soccer on Twitter. He is the man. He is super smart. He is wonderful. I can see all of uh, our wonderful guests and co-hosts putting people who put terrible takes on Twitter in the comments. And yeah, I don't need to name names. You can probably tell who they are. Just block them and move on with your life. Love one another. Support good people. Support local soccer. This has been the Orange Black Soccer Cast. Uh, Alan, please go. Okay, fine. Camera, go ahead. Wear a mask. Wear a mask. All right, great one. This has been the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. 101 episodes strong. Alan, send us out. Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of the MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get your custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of those same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create that kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. That's IcarusFC.com. For everyone here, thank you for joining us tonight. And uh, we'll throw where you can find them in the show notes because I'm not going to try and do this one again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you next week.